name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We pray. Lord, make a way for your people, we pray. Reach down your hand and heal it, Father. Touch every body, Father. Every mind, every spirit, we pray today. In the name of Jesus, we believe and we trust in you.
Oh, we bless your name today, Lord. We worship you. We adore you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Let's be seated. The songs that we sing are not frivolous songs, but songs that we honestly believe has, uh, they have a reality, each one has a reality. And like this last one, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. If you believe the Lord with all your heart, uh, you will find out that there's victory. Yes, sir. Even when you're going through your trials. We've been having very beautiful services, and it's good to see everyone out here today. I thought we had a good service last night. Uh, the Lord was with us. It's good to see our 90-year-old person at the back. We live in an age where there's a lot of distractions. Um... As a young man, this morning I was reading an article I wrote many years ago called Small Foxes, Beware of Small Foxes, something like that. And I was re in that article I was reflecting on the days when we were growing up. We didn't turn the radio on because it was one radio and maybe in every five houses they had one radio that will, you know, serve the community. Um, we didn't have televisions. We didn't have distractions. Our days were full of interesting activity. And I would sometimes lie down, and I think other individuals would do that, and look at the heavens. And you admire the stars, and you admire the moon, and you admire the clouds and the moonlight. And that was life. There was no soap opera. There was no television. There was no action movie. And when we became Christians, my mom did not allow us to go to the cinema. That's how we were. Uh, we did not have what the kids have today. Well, times have changed. We're talking about man not reading a comic book about uh, traveling into space, but actually making the trip. Different age. And today our children are deprived from some of the natural things that made life wonderful for us. We did not need tranquilizers, the moon, the stars, a beautiful afternoon sitting by a little creek was the tranquilizers that we need of course stress was not there and it was a different age altogether today there are distractions adults are distracted children are distracted and we can scarcely live without a cell phone or some kind of mobile device we must have Today, it is difficult to even try to get inspiration from God because we have so many books we can preach from. And if I am a pastor that preaches the letter to you, 
The Bible tells us the letter kill it. And the more you feed on the letter, the letter, natural educational messages I give you, the more spiritually dead you will become. Before you know it, I'm a pastor that has a church full of zombies, spiritually speaking. Because the word is a different, the word alive is different, it quickens. And that is why I pray to God the day would never come when I would have to sit down and memorize a message and come and write it out and talk it to the people. But I can still preach under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We looked at the Psalms. Uh, the other day and I'd like to bring you back your attention to Psalm 1 I've got it open up in front of me here and uh, we're not reading the whole Psalm today but David said you are blessed you are spiritually prosperous blessed is the man or spiritually prosperous is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly and when I'm sitting back there, 70, 65 years ago, you don't have time for the ungodly. You don't have time for the movies. You don't have time for video games. You don't have time to read junk. Too much of one thing might be good for nothing. Someone says, no, too much prayer is, is not bad. Too much prayer is bad. I remember working out with some young men out in a place called Haruruni. It was with Full Gospel Fellowship. We are building things, helping to get the camp set up. And while in the middle of everything, heavy lumber you're lifting, one brother says, I feel like I want to go pray. I can never forget that. He says, I want it, brothers, excuse me, but it's time for me to go pray. I said, man, lift it and pray. You're not going anywhere. You see, too much of one thing <clears throat> can be good for nothing. Won't that be something if a man, my dad said to my mother, listen, you take care of the nine kids. I'm going to pray all day. No, dad, pray and then go to work. And we must fit everything in its right perspective. Are you following me? And so today, bad news all the time pass that water for me we have bad news all the time now you have this tragedy in Texas you have this tragedy in Buffalo you have the Ukrainian war what is gonna happen next listen pray that's when you need to pray and read your Bible if you listen to the news more than you feed on the Word of God your mind will not become spiritual and so David said, blessed or spiritually prosperous is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The news is a part of the counsel of the ungodly. Too much of one thing can rob you of your spiritual mind and your sanity. Sit outside and look at the skies. Sit at the back and look at the trees. Listen to the birds. God has made this world for us to inhabit it 
and enjoy its tranquility and peace that it offers. And that is why sometimes we need a storm. Sometimes we need a hurricane. Sometimes we need a tornado. Sometimes we need a flood to help us to appreciate tranquility and calmness and the beauty of creation. It is sad that you cannot focus on that which God has created. And that is why you're stressed all the time. Because what you focus on is the counsel of the ungodly. I must be able to use this world, but not use it to the extent that the, I lose control of myself. And uh, I fail to give God what he deserves. So, back here. Blessed is the man that does not spend all his day in the counsel of the ungodly. If you spend all day listening to my tapes, it will do the same for you. Dullen your understanding and, and, and decrease your life because you have responsibilities. Call your boss on Monday and tell him you can't come. You're listening to Brother Singh's messages. Now, we conveniently know when to do what we want to do and fail to do what we should do. And so David is saying here, <clears throat> talking about the counsel of the ungodly. Now, is he standing in the way of a sinner's? Or he's sitting in the seat of the scornful, that which God rejects. I have a problem. There are a few problems I have. I hope it's not your problem. When I was small, and I wanted to finish high school at a certain time, it meant sacrificing playing with my friends in the afternoon. It meant I scarcely knew how to play cricket. Now I felt, well, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm really suffering myself. No, no, no. I'm glad I did. And so today, one of the things that happened when I put the news on, every time I turn the news on, there's sports. And I turn it back off. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in what the world does out there. And call me fanatical. Who win the last game? I don't care. Who is Blue Jays and Red Sox or Purple Sox or whatever they are? I really don't care. That's me. And that is why my mind is clear and I can focus on the Word of God. And God can take a hold of my understanding and give me messages while I stand on my feet. Because I'm not, I'm not intoxicated with the spirit of society. And I'm reading this and I love it. It says, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly or the pleasure of the ungodly or the fashion of the ungodly or everything else the ungodly offers. But his delight, he nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now when David wrote this, they did not have an Old Testament much more a New Testament. They had the Torah, the five books of Moses, but it was not put, it was not all put together. David was sitting under inspiration. 
And he's thinking how blessed is a man that is not complicated by what the ungodly is involved in. And so today I'm talking to you because I hope that this message can unshackle your mind from the contamination that the world has. His, his pleasure, his delight was in the Torah. And he goes on, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in the law of the Lord he meditates day and night. Today it's almost impossible to meditate on God's things day and night. Because of the many distractions in the world that's distracting us. When you got spare time, go walk in the mall. See, there's so much that will not be there in the coming kingdom. In the coming kingdom, we'll be free from ungodly influences and distractions that the world has. In Psalms 119, uh, turn over with me here, uh, Psalms 119, it says in Psalms 119 verse 1. Now in Psalms 119, it's the longest psalm in the Bible and sections of it are named. There are different names for sections of it. It has 176 verses. And in almost every single verse, you'll find the word law, or you'll find the word statutes, or you'll find the word testimonies, or you'll find the word precepts, or you'll find the word commandments. Reflecting on the laws of God in almost every verse. Verse 1 says, Blessed are the undefiled, or the perfect, in the way who walk it, who walk in the law of the Lord you're blessed you're spiritually prosperous when you're walking according to the principles of God the law of the Lord you are not defiled and for you to be undefiled it means you must continuously have a cleansing process in your mind because we're born depraved we are born with a depraved mind. In sin did our mother conceive us. We are all shapen in iniquity and sin. Two things. Now listen to me carefully. Don't get carried away. We are shapen in iniquity. We are shapen in sin and iniquity. These are two elements that were in our lives. And when Jesus died... He was wounded for our sins and bruised for our iniquities. Now listen carefully to me. Because sin is what we do physically. Uh, we do violate the laws of God. It is sin. A transgression of the laws of God is sin. We are all shapen with a sin nature. Because of Adam's sin, sin is passed on to every one of us. A child has evil bundled up in their hearts. And any one of us sitting here that has not received a salvation experience, we have sin that can motivate us. And no matter how moral you try to be, there is a nature that wants to go contrary. A good man might be good until something crosses his path and brings up his sinful nature. And so there are two things we're talking about. Sin... 
and iniquity. Keep that in mind. Sin and iniquity. Jesus died. <clears throat> he was wounded for our sins. And he was bruised for iniquity. Now what is, what is sin and what is iniquity? Sin is a transgression of God's law. It's our fallen nature. We sin, we kill, we murder, we lust, we violate the laws of God. That is sin. Iniquity is when we try to create a religion that looks like God, but God has not approved that. We try to create a counterfeit that let us feel God is with us. We try to impress people and make ourselves feel happy because here we are, a made-up religion. You can call it a Christian or whatever. It's a made-up religion. If it's man-made and not approved by God, it's a work of iniquity. And as I'm saying this, I'm not here judging the Baptist street, people down the street. Or I'm not here condemning the assemblies of God. I'm here examining us. What do we have that we're trying to create an impression that we're holy? If Jesus walked in here today and we didn't know it was Jesus and he says I'm a preacher, we wouldn't want him to sit on our platform because he's got a beard. We have made our own laws and principles what is good and what's not good. We have brainwashed our people as to what is good and what's not good in that now if I wear any other colored and white shirt, I feel like uncomfortable. When we formulate a religion, I mean standards of, are good. I learned to put God in priority in my life. And so back into the lesson here because of a limited time. David said, blessed are the undefiled in the way uh, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Last night, Brother Sam used the scripture. He says, I'm the Lord, your God. And you shall worship me with, you shall love me and serve me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And it is something that God demands of us, a sanctification from this world. And David went on here, he says that also do no, verse 3, do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. Well, it is such a tricky thing because... We can formulate our own religious standards, and standards are good. Punctuality is good. But when our standards, that which is designed to enhance our worship to God, enslaves us, it's no good. The Sabbath was good, but the Sabbath was made for man. When man became enslaved to that Sabbath principle, that's no good. Things are good, order is good, but when our order enslaves us and imprisons us, then anyone that does contrary, we make a sinner of them, that's no good. And so when Jesus died, 
He was wounded, first of all, for our sins, our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. Over here in the book of Isaiah, and uh, there are a few other scriptures I would like to touch. Before you leave Psalms 119, it says in verse 11, David said, So what have I done? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right? Thy word have I hid in my heart. Now the word is not just plain scripture. It's something being preached. Uh, Paul told Timothy, he says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. For the time will come when man will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust will they heap to themselves teachers because they have itching ears. It is important. Hold your finger in Psalms uh, here for a little bit and let's turn back to 2 Timothy. Uh, I'm trying to fit all of this in a short time. But in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, Paul is writing to Timothy. And it is important that we understand the laws of God so we can walk in them. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, Paul makes a statement like this. He says, um, he says, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study what? When Paul wrote to Timothy, there was no New Testament written. But what should Timothy study? Verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same. The word of God that preaches holiness and standards of holiness and godliness... He says, the words, the things that I was heard of me among many witnesses that is in church, the same. Do not change it. Amen. The same commit thou unto faithful men who shall be able to pass that on to teach other faithful men also. Yes, Verse 3. He says, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 15, study, study what? The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, correctly, rightly, not incorrectly. He says rightly dividing the word of truth. It is important that my interpretation of scripture be according to what God wants and not necessarily what my organization wants. Because there's such a subtlety about iniquity that if we're trying to formulate our own form of uh, church worship and God has not approved that, it becomes iniquity. He goes on, he says, shun profane and vain babblings for... Preachings that are vain babblings will increase to more religious ungodliness. Over in Isaiah chapter 1, and you have to move with me here today. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 1, and I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. Why did God send Isaiah? Why did God send Jeremiah? Why did God send any one of the prophets of the Old Testament. I'll tell you why. Because God's people, in most cases, that thought they were doing the right thing, 
were not pleasing God. Here in Isaiah chapter 1, what was Israel doing? <clears throat> in verse 11, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Why are they making sacrifices to the Lord? Can't hear you. Yes. yes. He says, I'm full of burnt offerings of ram and of the fat of fed beasts. They were not just giving little scrawny sacrifices. The Lord says, I delight not in the blood of bullocks and of lambs and of he goats. There was no limit to the sacrifices the people were making. Now, if I was a Jew living back there, I would feel that I'm doing a great thing giving a bullock to the Lord in the sacrifice today in church. When I look at the saints coming in with all their sacrifices, I feel we are wonderful fellowship. When God looked, he saw different. In verse 12, the Lord says, when you come to appear before me, who required you to attend church? Who required this at your hands that you should come into my courts? Is church attendance important? Yes, it is. Paul says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But when we're coming in, according to what we think we ought to do, and worshiping God and serving God according to man-made principles, it doesn't please God. So it's important today that we pray and ask God to help us as we come through this pandemic and we're drawing close to an end that we got judged like everybody else got judged it means that the church had no di direct distinction from the ungodly masses in society we should be able to be sanctified we should not be fearful and intimidated like everyone else except we are doing what everyone else is doing and so uh, Isaiah went on here and he says, um, the Lord says in verse 13, bring no more vain oblations. Incense, didn't God dictate incense burning? Yes. But when the whole format of worship and the whole form of worship is man-made and not according to God's principles, we can have a beautiful band. But is this what God wants? We can have nice songs that push into a nice religious worship. Is it what God wants? We can have fiery preachers. Is that what God wants? Israel had all of this. It says in verse 13, the Lord says, Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. Your new moon and Sabbaths. He says, the calling of meetings. He says, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity something went wrong during the process of time that from the time God established godliness in Israel they fizzled away and wandered away from God's standards and man-made principles were established that is why Isaiah said in vain do they worship me in vain means useless Without reward do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, commandments of men. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, the Pharisees were the straightest of sect of the Jewish religion, but their worship was in vain.
the Sadducees in vain. The Essenes in vain. <clears throat> Until there was a man sent from God. One man sent from God. His name was John. He didn't look like the son of a priest. He was dressed in camel's hair. As far as the priestly attire was concerned, they think he was a rebel, but he was the man sent from God. What we might decide or conclude is from God might not be from God. It is important that we understand these things. The Lord said here in, in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse uh, Verse 14, he says, your new moon and your appointed feast, my soul hated. He says, they're troubling unto me. I'm weary to bear them. When you spread forth your hands like we did here today in our worship, he says, I will hide mine eyes. I hope when we spread forth our hands today, when we did spread forth our hands, God was not hiding his face. But if this happened to Israel, and it was necessary for a man of God coming on the scene called Isaiah, it meant the priests were not doing their job correctly. It meant the worship they had was not according to what God wants, or God wanted. And the same goes for every prophet in the Old Testament. If they were preaching right and doing according to God's ways, they would not have needed Isaiah coming on the scene. And in chapter 1, here is what Isaiah says. He introduced himself like this. He said in chapter 1 and verse 3, He said, The ox knoweth his owner, and the donkey or the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know my people doth not consider. He says, I look at the animal world and an ox and a donkey operates more in accordance to the natural principle that they were supposed to operate by. He says, but my people in church failed to do that. God's people in Israel were seen in the eyes of God as worse than oxen and donkeys. And he said... Ah, sinful nation. You mean we are doing all of this in church? We're giving the offerings. We're lifting our hands and worship God. We're doing, a, never miss a meeting, never miss a church service. And God is calling us sinful. Yes, if we're doing contrary to God, we are workers of iniquity and we're not pleasing God. If ever there was a time for men to start seeking after God and finding out what God wants, it is now. Yes, sir. Don't just follow the traditions of those who went ahead of us. They're good traditions and they're bad traditions. Find the good ones. And God has to help us. And he goes on here, he says, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with inequity or methods of serving God that was never ordained by God. He says, Children, a seed of evil doors, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord and they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger and they are gone away backward. Now listen to me carefully. All the sacrifices, 
burning of the incense, attending services, worshiping God with all the instruments, uh, making all these dedication. When you look, when the world looked at Israel, they felt it was a religious people, and men are there really serving God. When God looked at it, he saw iniquity and corruption. And he raised up a prophet, say, go tell them priests and tell the people that they're not serving me right. I'm preaching this lesson, not for the man down the street. I'm preaching this lesson to us, to our local church and to our fellowship. And to all those listening to me as we stream this message overseas. That it is time we examine where we're coming from, what has been passed on to us that was never approved by God. And that is why, if we partake of the sins of religious Babylon, we'll receive of our plagues. And the Lord said in Revelation 18, 4, he says, come out from, from her, my people, my people, come out from Babylon, the spirit of Babylon, for if you be partakers of her sins, and that is her iniquities also, you shall receive of our plagues. I believe if I'm a child of God, a thousand should fall on my side and ten thousand on my left side and nothing shall harm me. I believe that the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and they that keep his laws and principles. I bless, believe what David said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, whether it's religious counsel or ungodly counsel. Religious ungodly or, or church ungodly, he, I believe that a man would be spiritually prosperous that obeys God. We're living in a day and age where we have failed as a church. We have failed as a fellowship. We have failed as a people that really should, should love God some more. And Isaiah went on here. He says, why should... Uh, uh, why should we be stricken anymore? He says, you will be for volt more and more. He says, the whole head, the leadership is sick and the whole heart is faint. He said, there is a, from the soul even unto the head, there is no soundness but wounds and bruises and purifying sores. And then he goes on in verse 9. He says, except the Lord of hosts has left us a very small remnant. There's always a small remnant that understand what God's want, what God wants, and understand that if they fail to follow the principles of God, they'll receive the judgments of God like everyone else. Have we prayed enough? Have we pursued God enough? Or are we just full of head knowledge of scripture? The letter by itself kill it. But it is a spirit that will quicken our hearts. When Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, I want to come back here. I, I have, I'll take five minutes more of your time. But in 2 Timothy, the last epistle that Paul ever wrote according to history. And it is sad. Listen to me, saints. It is sad. When I read hindsight with 2020 vision. Every one of these individuals, whether it's Isaiah, he was sawn in half by God's people because they did not like his message. Jeremiah was put in a slime pit because they did not like his message. 
almost every one of the apostles that the Lord Jesus himself sent were martyred by the religious element in that time. Well, what about Jesus? He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and Israel hid as it were their faces from him. Today, as we examine ourselves, are we ready to listen to the voice of God in reality, or are we going to continue in iniquity? When we look hindsight, and we see that if the priests had done their job, that religious practices is not enough. Obedience to God is better than sacrifices, and to hearken better than the fat of rams. If that happened to God's own people in the past, you think us Gentiles getting saved can just give God anything we want to give God, offer any sacrifices that we choose? When Jesus died for our transgressions and he was bruised to save us from our iniquity. May God help us today as we examine ourselves. May God save us not only from sin, but may God save us from traditional iniquity that might have been passed on to us. May God convert us from the inside. And so Paul in this last epistle he is writing to Timothy, he said in verse 1, I charge you, I charge you. Well, Paul, who are you to charge me? You know, he was the greatest apostle that ever lived on this world. And all of these letters that he wrote, his letter to the churches, churches of Galatia, the one epistle he wrote to the churches of Galatia, Lystra, Iconium, Derby, and Antioch, the churches were already backslidden and had already forsaken the Apostle Paul. The church at Corinth thought he was an idiot by the time Paul was coming to his end. And in this last epistle he is writing, Paul, the greatest apostle, died a lonely man because he would not compromise the gospel he preached. He did not play religion, and he died in loneliness, almost total loneliness, because his calling was genuine, and he would not bring apostasy in the church and allow iniquity to take over the work of God. And in this last epistle he says, I charge thee to Timothy before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. He says, preach the word. Amen. See in Hebrews it tells us the word is, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. When the word is preached it reaches out and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it reaches in to the piercing even to dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrows and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the word of God. The word of God is never intended to entertain us. It's intended to challenge us to make changes and serve God right. 
And so he tells Timothy here, he says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove when it's necessary. Rebuke when it's necessary. Exhort when it's necessary, but with all long suffering and according to scripture, according to doctrine. And then he comes down here, he says, and he says, for the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but will, after their own lust, heap to themselves entertainers in the pulpit. Because they have itching ears, they'll heap to themselves teachers because they have itching ears and they don't want to endure the truth. He says they will turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned onto fables and fantasies, that is. We're living in that time. And you know, I, write a f I wrote a few letters. And the next letter I want to write is I want to use my imagination and write a letter to the Apostle Paul. A Dear Paul letter. I'm challenged. That's one of the last things I want to do in my life. Write a letter to the Apostle Paul and tell him what they did to Isaiah. Remind him. And tell him what they did to Jeremiah. And tell him what they did to all the prophets. And tell him that after he was gone, what was left of the work of God. And tell him how much I appreciate him. And love him for the sacrifices he made. And as this man was drawing his last breath, he comes down here, he says, he says, verse 6, I'm now ready to be offered. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. <clears throat> but here is his champion, my champion. He says, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. I am still running my course. I can't say I've kept the faith. I feel God so much in my life on a daily basis. I'm hoping one day that I can say I fought a good fight, I've finished my course and I've kept the faith. Not today. He goes on, he says, henceforth there's living for me a crown of righteousness. And then here's a sad part of Paul's last letter, last chapter before he was executed. He says to Timothy, verse 9, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and he's gone to Thessalonica. Well, I can tell you what Thessalonica had become by this time, a worldly church. They were having a social club they call a church. He says, Cretans, he has gone to the backslidden churches of Galatia. Titus, even Titus, and I wonder, what was happening in Dalmatia that Titus was gone? Why did Titus leave him? He says, only Luke, half Gentile. Only Luke, this half Gentile, is with me. He says, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is now profitable to me for the ministry. He says, he says, Alexander the coppersmith in verse 14 has done me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his work. He says in verse 16, at my first trial, at my first trial, this man of God, this great apostle, he says at my first answer, how many people stood with him? Say it out. He says, nobody stood with me. No man stood with me.
And today you and I can be preaching and talking about Paul and great Paul and great Isaiah. If we were there, would we stand with him? When he went to the trial, would we be like Peter and deny that we even know the man? This great apostle died a very lonely man. And so did Isaiah. And so did Jeremiah. And so did Peter. And so did James. And so did John. And some of these other men, they died. Uh, John must have been the only one that survived to an old age. And today, as we want to serve God, don't try to live 2,000 years ago. Live today. Understand the evils that exist today and save your family, man. Let the word of God be in your home. Yes, sir. Raise your children right. <clears throat> There's too much evil and distraction in this world. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for another service. And I thank you, dear Father, for the privilege you've given to me that I can talk to this congregation today. And for those who are following me online today, Lord, have mercy on us today. In this age of distractions and evil all around us, Father, we pray you'll have mercy on your people. Please, O oh God, we ask in Jesus' name that your word will not return void unto thee, but accomplish its purpose and plan in every one of our lives. Amen and amen.